So I think being an entrepreneur, there's lots of things that we put in our toolkit There's or our arsenal, whatever you want to call it. Right. Those transferable skills come out in our personal life, our social life, our business, yeah. our relationships. So when people say that to me, I always say, no, because... I'm sure I could say to you, we all had those beginning jobs. Like I was a waitress. Look at all the transferable skills from being being a yeah. serv- waitresses, waiters. That's the servant leader position. For sure. So leadership doesn't necessarily mean stature, title, and initials after your name. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, leaders. I am bringing a executive and business coach to the podcast today, Deb Crow. She has 30 plus years of global experience with top Fortune 500 companies in Canada, US, Europe, Asia, and Australia, leading and coaching C-suite leaders, executive professionals, teams, and businesses. We, we focused a lot in our conversation today around heart-centered leadership and um, just you know talked about failing forward, talked about how we view our success. And I know you're going to really love the conversation that we had, a really, really powerful leader and coach. And you know what we're up to here is is about identifying and finding amazing young leaders. We are in the middle of our best season ever. We're growing like crazy. And uh, we're already in 2021, looking towards 2022. So if you know any amazing young leaders who are looking for a fantastic opportunity to grow and develop, please send them my way, studentworks.com, or you can share a podcast with them, or you can send me an email at cthompson at studentworks.com. Have a fantastic day. Thanks so much. Deb, welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. Well, I'm delighted to be here, Chris. Thanks for having me. Well, fantastic. So one of the places we always love to start is, um, you know, people want to be, you know, doing what you're doing or or a number of our leaders. Wow, I'm coaching CEOs. I'm making a real impact in the world. So thinking back, you know, university or pre-university, you know, what were you doing? What uh, What were you like before, you know, around that point? Well, it's it's such an interesting question, and it might really resonate with some of your listeners. So when I was at the age of most of the young entrepreneurs that I know you love to, to share this insight and wisdom with, I was caregiving for my dad who was dying. Oh, wow. And I had to drop out of school, oh. and it was a really tough time. But if I look back now, turning Mm -hmm. the young age of 55 this year, I grew up really quick. But when I reflect back on 30 years ago, you really don't realize how young you are. I know Mm -hmm. 20 is a young adult, but there's so much of our life ahead of us. And I feel it's more formidable 
than the adolescent or the teen years because you're kind of getting seated. You're kind of getting anchored. So I had to drop out of school, look after my dad, and unfortunately, he died um, in 1987, and I was really at a loss. So I had to go to work. I couldn't Mm -hmm. finish school and went to work, self-taught myself a lot of things, and three years later, I started my company and will be 31 years at the end of May. Well, fantastic, fantastic. And those are tough choices right? Those are tough, tough choices. And, and, um, you know, it's life's not fair. It's really not fair to have a a young person have to deal with that. And I imagine that there was no one else to deal with that. Right. And that's what families do. Right. It is. And it's, but I'll tell you, it was the onset to the depths of grit Mm -hmm. and resilience, but more important, what a way to learn tenacity because you have no choice when it's a human being. Yeah. So when you learn tenacity and it's like, it is so locked in as part of a, you know, a regular thought cognitive process for you. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like anything else that we do in our life. And I'm, I'm being facetious here. It's like breathing. Like it's non-negotiable. You have no choice. Yeah. Yeah. It was me. If if I was going to live and eat and pay my rent <laughs> and my car payment. Yeah. I had to grow up really quick. So, I feel like I missed out on some of those social fun university things. Right. But I had to play the hand that I was dealt and I could have become a victim. Yes. I could have become super depressed. I didn't have a support system. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's the choice you made, right? You you said, I'm going to choose power. I'm going to, I'm going to choose this because sometimes, you know, people are faced with situations like that. And well, I have to do this. No, you didn't have to do it. The reality is you didn't have to do it. You chose to do it. And that's really, really powerful when you choose to do something like that. And then, like you said, then what you get, Ashley, it's interesting what you get when you choose, because you don't get victimhood, you get power. Right. Because as you mentioned, you get grit, you get tenacity, you get, I'm going to see this through. And then as a result, it's where you showed up in that area of your life, you're showing up in all other areas of your life because you use that as a building block. Well, you do. And and when you have no choice, you have no choice. It's mm-hmm. it's like you get to the end of the road and go, okay, I can stop. Oh, I can have a U-turn. So Mm -hmm. I never allowed the space to become, like you said, in that obligation habit of thinking in my mind. I always stayed self-directed and I wasn't afraid to fail. Mm -hmm. Lots of people would give me advice and they weren't even in my shoes. Right. Like, how can you give me advice on how to run a business when you've never ran a business? Right. So it was being able to hone the listening skills not get upset or emotional when people gave you advice, even if it was unsolicited. For sure. But I just kept listening because listening is a superpower and, oh, the power you gain when you're silent, it's, it's limitless. Absolutely. So, so you started a business. Tell us about that business. So I self-taught myself, Dawson Unix. Do you remember okay. them before yes. Windows? Well, sorry. I, I remember the names. <laughs> I, I, I have no, 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 no ability to do any of those. So yes. I, well, I want, so I was going into school cause I wanted to work in the medical rehabilitation world. I wasn't fully sure what I was going to do. Right. So had to drop out of school. 
school with my dad and then just started playing around with computers and self-taught. And then through a friend of a friend and networking and colleague, I landed up teaching at Fanshawe because they needed teachers in the continuing ed. And then Windows came. Mm -hmm. And I wrote a manual. And Fanshawe used it for about five years at all their campuses. And then I helped them start a corporate training program in the community for businesses because businesses were buying PCs and everyone needed to learn how to use these mice that were now Mm -hmm. connected with the keyboard. And then I realized it was an opportunity to get my foot inside the med rehab world because speech language pathologists and occupational therapists had all these augmentative and communication devices for people with all sorts of different disabilities And I was the only game in town. I capitalized on that and I rode that wave for a long time. I then got married, had a couple of children, and then I went back to school. I went back to Brock. I did my schooling in disability management and I specialized in neuroscience. And I landed up becoming a vocational rehab professional, again, with the technology. And then I landed up case managing adults and children with any level of neurotrauma. So car accidents, short-term disability claims, long-term disability claims that I actually lost some people in hospice, WSIB. It didn't matter if it was auto life or disability, I was managing it. So I did that for 21 years. Right. And then 11 years ago, I was like, I got to get out of this. I was burnt out. Mm-hmm. I was going to court and testifying for people that were catastrophically injured. And I just felt like a ping pong ball. Like I was mm-hmm. just going from insurance company to lawyer and back and forth. And these people, I was just happy to get them back to some level of autonomy, let alone life. Yeah. Because their injuries were so, so serious. And then the pivotal moment came when I got three VPs and two CEOs on short-term disability stress claims, and it was from the toxic culture that they chose to work in. Wow. And that was their definition, interpretation, and equation of climbing that ladder to success. Right. They all landed up with cancer. They all landed up in hospice. And I landed up holding all five of their hands at the end of life. And they all told me the same two things. I didn't speak my truth. Right. And I chose to live and work in a toxic culture. And that was it. They all said to me, it's funny because everybody says my name, like it's one word, like Deb Crow is a verb. (laughs) And they were like, okay, you need to Deb Crow this. Like you're going to come up with something. Right. And I think one of the biggest pieces of advice that I would love your listeners to learn is never think that you can't do anything. Mm -hmm. Because I just, for one minute, if I can segue back to my dad, my dad told me two things before he died. Right. He said, you need to work with people and never say you don't know anything. You may not know it all, or you might have a glimpse of a working knowledge, but never underestimate your ability to learn something quickly. Right. So when I sat with those five executives, and it was over a 16-month period, I didn't know what I didn't know, but I knew I was going to do something. I just wasn't sure. So I didn't get attached to the outcome. Right. I just kept thinking about the vision and what skills what skills could I pack up and transfer over into my next business? Right. And the, nas- the, the natural migration for me was coaching. 
Right. So I took my neuroscience background. I found a neuroscience-based assessment. And it's so interesting that I landed up working with executives because my heart and soul was with those five. And I made a promise. And even though I coach, the case manager, Chris, shows up during all the coaching sessions because a lot of young people, especially in their 20s, they look at people in these executive spaces and they look at their title and their stature and their fancy suits or cars or corner offices or whatever it is. I can tell you that they are lonely. Mm -hmm. They've worked very hard to get there. It's very lonely at the top because there's nowhere else to go. Mm. They have no one to talk to. And I'm trying to shift that work-life balance. I can't stand that term. Right. And make it work-life integration. Let's Mm. have a family, have a healthy marriage, you know, have a healthy culture that you foster with your behavior so that you don't get sick. You don't have unhealthy relationships and you don't land up in that emotional space that leaves you sick and tired or off on a claim yeah, or succumbs your health and emotional well-being. So I just feel like now I feel like I've evolved to where I've always wanted to get to, but I had to go through all the different things that I did over 30 years to get to the sweet spot. Oh, I hear you. I hear you. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it, it, it seems like, um, what makes someone stay in a in your experience or what you've seen, of course, stay in a real toxic environment and not not choose to sort of look look for other options? In my opinion, I think it's two things. I think it's a fear based behavior. Okay. And I think the secondary thing is self belief. Sometimes people can't see a light at the end of the tunnel, or you know, it's like my parents saying to me. You need to finish high school, go to university, get a job and stay in that job and have a pension and be secure. Right. And I remember looking at them at the dining room table and saying, I am not doing that. I am not the kind of person I'm creative. I'm innovative. I'm a thought leader. Like you, I've, I've got a million things going through my mind that I want to talk about. I want to write about, I want to try. If I had to go and sit at a desk and do the same thing over and over again for 35 years, I just knew at a young age, like I, that intuition, that gut feeling, I've always listened to it. Right. And when you get to a level of self-awareness and no fear, you get to where I call a life by design. Right. It's really nice to be able to organize and schedule your own time because right. it truly is our richest commodity. There's no question. There's no question. Yeah. And so, so I, I believe in the same thing when you talk about, you know, work-life balance, it, 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 it really, it, it's, it's not seeing the world correctly. So when you talk about work-life integration, how do you, how do you, how do you suggest our, our young leaders, uh, listening to this, you know, see themselves crafting a future, uh, and a future, uh, obviously career impact that works for the community themselves, you know, their families, future families or whatever. I like to use like a financial metaphor to kind of unpack this. Okay. It's kind of like, Live your life, spend some money, have fun, but save at the same time. Right, right. So 
you don't book yourself to the point of emotional and physical fatigue and exhaustion. Right. Doing more doesn't mean becoming more. When we take time to be really self-directed and think about what we want to do, what we get to do, what we choose to do, and we stay in our wheelhouse of of inner genius, Mm -hmm. it truly will leave you limitless. And it also allows you to enter into a space of leadership that I love to talk about, which is heart-centered leadership. Right. Because when you lead with your heart and you demonstrate those type of qualities... There is nothing that will stand in your way because you're so laser focused. You're putting people first, but not at the detriment of yourself. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and so I know you, you've talked about like, what's, what's your biggest success as a business owner? My biggest success as a business owner, I think is creating a life by design. Mm-hmm. I'm there for my kids when they need me. Uh, been married to the same guy for over 30 years. I never let my work succumb my life or define my being. Right. So I really feel that work-life integration, that life by design equation, it's not spoken word for me. It's not written word. Every day I live the same purpose over and over again but it's scheduled to the point of fulfillment and enjoyment. And that makes me feel successful. I feel successful when I lie my head down at night and know that I gave the world the best version of Deb Crow today and tomorrow's going to be a little bit more. Right. So I don't measure it by tangible extrinsic things. I measure it by keeping myself intrinsically focused Mm -hmm. and keeping my eye on the prize of being the best version of myself, whether that's wife, mom, entrepreneur. Right. And I never let one world lower the other. Yeah. I never let one lower. I never let it into overdraft. I keep everything really well integrated because I can, and it's another non-negotiable for me. Right. Right. Well, also as well, you know, like what's the impact, you know, on your clients, the fact that you're bringing the best Dev Crow every, every day, right? It's obviously massive. Well, and when you practice what you preach, Mm -hmm. how can you be more transparent or authentic? Right, right. So what, what, what's your, what's the focus of your business now? You know, you know, where, where you're finding the sweet spot in your business? couple of things. Um, I'm finally going to get my book written because I have time. Awesome. Um, awesome. COVID has extended so much time because we're not traveling. Yes. So that to-do list and all those wonderful things you want to get to, I'm through that. I coach every day. Okay. I have my podcast recordings um, a few times a week. And then we have two episodes that we do a week. And I just take time for myself every morning. I'm a 5 a.m.er. Wow. Okay. I know it's early. I've let it slip a little bit with COVID to between mm-hmm. 5.30 and 6. But right. that first couple, three hours for me, that's where the magic happens. You know, that quiet alone time with self, I get my exercise done. I look at my day. I'm also a yoga teacher, so I do some yoga. I meditate, whatever I feel like doing. But I 
gift that time. And it's another non-negotiable for me mm-hmm. every morning. And my days are never surprising because I know what I've got on my plate. Right. I know what's coming. And if anything has to change or shift or pivot, I can move it ahead to tomorrow. It's not a detrimental thing for me. Right. So I never allow that introspection time to be interrupted. And I always lead with logic over emotion because I take that time in the morning and I know what is in my day. I don't put more than three to five things on any given day for myself to get done. And anything that's the higher cognitive level of thinking, it's all done in the morning. Okay. And so, so obviously, you know, COVID, uh, you know, really, I guess over the last year, this massive interruption, how's that impacted your coaching or how's that impacting, you know, the, the level of leadership that, that you've needed to, or your, your, your leaders have needed to, to manage in the world? COVID's been very kind to me. My coaching business has gone from coaching in Canada and the U.S. to now coaching in five countries. Mm-hmm. And that's a combination of, I write all my own content, Chris, for social media. Right. I've had time to write. I've had time to think. I've had time to get that list of, gee, when I have time, I wish I could get this done. I don't have those lists anymore. Everything's in the present moment. Like I'm so living in the now. Right. It's given me time to get my book started. It's given me time to create another podcast and let that unfold. So being home, I'm a social extrovert when I need to be, but because Mm -hmm. I love to think and read and kind of hide in my office, I'm an introvert. So I've welcomed COVID. I do miss the networking events. I do miss seeing my clients, but I've also been gracious to understand the global impact this has had. Right. And I really think it's challenged me to be a better leader. I've been doing a lot more content. I took on a couple more. I mentor a young person every year. I took on an extra two. So I'm mentoring three this year. And I'm just always up for a conversation to help any young entrepreneur because I think they all need mentoring. Like myself, I was there. I didn't have anybody. So I had lots of mentors that helped me when I was 21 and lost my dad. So that's kind of my pay pay it forward and, and having that relatability and knowing how they feel because I was there. Yeah, no, certainly, um, you know, our program is really about that mentorship, that guidance. I think it's really, really difficult to go and create your own business on your own with so little framework. And, and so I think again, mentorship and coaching is such a, such a key, uh, key thing and, and not, you know, not surprising, um, you know, being a coach, you know, every coach thinks they need a coach, but the reality is it's just so impactful. So what, what about, uh, what transferable skills did you take from being a disability uh, medical case management practice to now being an executive coach? What I realized putting my heart-centered leadership qualities model together Mm -hmm. is I packed up a lot of the qualities that you need when somebody has experienced an illness or an injury or just a horrific trauma. Yeah. Yeah. All of those skills of really being an attentive listener, being compassionate, empathetic, and the ability to develop trust and rapport quickly 
mm-hmm. so that you can kind of unveil the purpose of why that relationship started. And that was kind of a really aha moment for me. Case managing and coaching, there's a lot of similarities. Right. And so how do, how does how do you make a workplace more inclusive? What a topic that really I think got great exposure through COVID. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I get the privilege and the honor of working with so many different companies and people from different backgrounds, ethnicities, religion. And you almost land up being gifted as the coach and education to get that sneak peek into their world. Right. But you know what? It's not a magic potion. There's no secret sauce. It's heart-centered leadership. It's listening. It's asking questions. But it's being vulnerable. If you don't know something about someone's culture or ethnicity, don't try and be that leader. Do some research. But more important, just have a conversation and be willing and open to learn. One of my companies started... They called it a solve box instead of creating a problem box. Right. I said, why don't we reframe it to be positive? Right. Instead of saying, here's our problem, what are you going to do about it? How about I've witnessed this or I've observed this? And here's my solution that I think would solve it. And it's just it's just unpacked beautifully because what are we doing? We're welcoming and opening space for conversation without judgment. Right. So nobody knows who put the note in the solve box. Absolutely. But it, you're putting forth a great conversation. So, and allowing people to what I like to call fail forward. Mm-hmm. We all make mistakes. We all say the wrong things. We've all put our foot in our mouth at some point in our lives. The workplace doesn't make it any different. And it's even harder now because people are getting hired. They've never been in the office. They've never even met their coworkers physically. Yeah. It's really a challenging time. Yeah. So these scenarios are happening because of the COVID onboarding of new people. And just be yourself. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to judge you. And if you say something that's offensive, isn't that an opportunity to learn? Absolutely. And so what's your experience and perspective for heart-centered leadership? Is is there any difference at the executive and the C-suite level? So a lot of senior executives or C-suite leaders were trained that heart-centered leadership or heart-centered leadership qualities or the word love shouldn't be in the same sentence as leader or leadership. Mm Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, if a leader can own their character flaws and model something like self-care, these are the two big ones we talk about. When a leader models that, those are two of many heart-centered leadership qualities. That's fostering a healthy culture. Right. When we talk about shouldn't and it shouldn't be and that type of dialogue, I always encourage them to take off the armor that they Mm -hmm. learned academically that's sitting on their chest and lower their wall of resistance 
to have a beautiful experience and conversation with their executive team. Mm -hmm. Because when they model that, then their executive team sees space and allowance to do the same. Right. So it's not new. I think COVID's given these executives and C-suites time to breathe, time to exhale, time to pause, and time to really look at everything with the bandwidth emotionally and time-wise to kind of self-audit, not only themselves, but how do they do things? You know, what is the vision now? COVID has kind of shifted things, but it's lent time an effort, an opportunity to have really great conversation. And it's been fun to shift and work with a lot of different teams and C-suites because we don't have to lead with that heavy armor. We don't have to lead with a heavy hand. The millennials are shifting that. Mm -hmm. They don't want managers anymore. They want leaders. Yeah, yeah. And that's been that's been in process really for decades. And of course, now it's just, greater and greater more and more people are like no that's just not how you know again it's it's yeah you should use or sorry i believe you know word around the office should be love and care and trust and you know these these things uh that that are going to feel you know again whole right like and we should really care about what we're doing are we making an impact on the on the community, et cetera? Just and so then we don't end up in toxic relationships or, you know, again, work or personal relationships, right? As as we started this podcast, you know, that that sort of space, you know, is is uh, you know, so frightening, you know, and and uh, you know, about about and and to me, I, again, you pointed out earlier about having the confidence to leave, uh, to, to recognize and then leave, you know, if, 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 if there's something that's, that's not right, because again, so often it could look, look right from the outside, but then once you're inside it, oh, wow, this is just not going the way I think people should treat, be treated, right. <laughs> or I think I should be treated. It does. And, and you brought up a really valid point. How can you lead if you haven't connected? For sure. And you can't connect unless you care. Yes. That's a really big misperception. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Who wants to, you know, who wants to follow someone if they don't, you know, that person doesn't care, right? Like that doesn't, that doesn't make sense, right? Like, so there's just a complete disconnect. And uh, yeah, no, it's, it really, it really is interesting. And there's no question, obviously, over the last number of decades, there's been a real shift, a real clarity around that old model doesn't work. People aren't willing to get you know, again, demanded always and, you know, and sort of run by uh, the corporate chain of command, you know, let, let, let's say. So, but, you know, over the, over the last, uh, you know, your, your, your career, looking back on, you know, who you've become, what things did you need to change about yourself to be the, uh, you know, value creator that you are in the full-time world now? Oh, I think I'm still evolving. I don't think I'm done yet. I sure. I think if I keep that attitude in the forefront that I'm just going to continue to evolve. Like I said, be a little bit better each day. Right. Listening. Nobody is a is a perfect listener because perfect mm -hmm. is an untangible reality. So working on listening every day and listening so intently that you can feel the emotion from the person. Right. Like I always challenge my C-suite leaders to sit in those boardrooms and not even talk. Like it, it kills them. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, I learned more by not talking. Yes. 
75% of our communication is nonverbal, right? Right. So open-minded. I like hearing other people's perspectives because we're also individual in our thought leadership. I love a great debate. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important to be an avid reader. I love books. I could, I, I have a Kindle, but I'm old school. I love holding a book. I love shopping through chapters indigo. There's something about holding a book, Chris, and smelling a book. I don't know what it is for me. Feel the same way. Feel the same way. Yeah. I feel a responsibility as a coach to always do better than yesterday. I, I don't take what I do lightly. I take it very seriously. I agree with what you said. I still have a coach. I think we continue to evolve when we're coached by someone who's farther down the road than us, that we can continue to be humble, Mm -hmm. full of humility and continue to evolve. I think we need to be a strategist. I think with COVID, it was like, how do you, I mean, the word last year that was overused at nauseum was pivot. Yeah. It's like a chess game. Mm -hmm. Your business can be like a monopoly game. You got to move the pieces around. You got to be quick on your feet. Don't be afraid to fail, fail forward because at least you tried. And there's lots of things over the years that I've tried that I may not have implemented, but I shelved. And a good example was when I closed my case management practice, I was going to have a women's self-care conference. Right. And I had it all ready and I shelved it. I thought, this doesn't feel like the right time. Mm -hmm. But in the spring of 2018, Again, for whatever reason, leadership term, intuition right. management, I thought now's the time. Right. And so interesting now that I look back three years later, had our first conference in Toronto, fall of 2018, because you never do anything in your backyard, because what if you fail, right? It sold out. And then in 2019, I took it across Canada. I was so scared. I was like, what if we book all these venues and places? And I thought, what do you got to lose? I did right. it. It sold right. out. Fantastic. And then I brought it back to London, 2019. We doubled it. It sold out. So we were having our big one last October, 2020. Yeah. We were doubling it. We were 75% sold out on the pre-sale. Right. Our vendors were sold out. We had a great lineup of speakers. And I had to pull the plug in April and so many people were sad and they're like, yeah. but what if we are back in the fall? Right. I've only listened to what I needed to, to be informed with the news. Cause I, right. I like to keep positive mindset, but I pivoted. I'm telling mm. you this story because I shelved it. Then I did it. And then COVID came and I turned it into an online course. Awesome. Will I have the conference again? I might. It all depends where we go because as much as we're all itching to get back, there's going to be provisions. There's going to be an intermittent return to whatever life looks like now. Right. And I know people have have had hard times with losing jobs and finances and people aren't going to be running to conferences as a first thing when we come out of this on the other side. So the course is there. It's It's been fun. I've taken groups of cohorts through it. I've bundled it with my coaching. I've just had some fun with it. Right. But the conference might come again. It's, it's back on the shelf for now, not forever. Right. 
Well, it's it's interesting, uh, Deb. Uh, one of the things that, as you were talking, it just occurs to me that one of the reasons why I think people are talking so much about pivoting is that many businesses don't really move that much at all. They don't really, they're not that creative. They're not moving forward. They're not like thinking about every day, how can we get better? How can we serve the business better? How can we serve our, you know, our staff better, our, 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 our community better, our customers better. And so as a result, when all of a sudden something like this happens, it's like, whoa, holy, something might just, you know, brick wall or gee, I really have to turn where when people are always thinking that they're always in a growth mindset, uh, it's it's just like oh okay well here we 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 need to you know try this out or try that out like there's you know Zoom training's been super powerful there's all different types of things mm-hmm. but when you're really in the world it makes a big difference you know when you're really creating absolutely and I you know one of the things that I want to say to your listeners is when people say things to you like is there anything you don't do because I've mm-hmm. I've heard that for my whole entrepreneur life. Right. I had an Irish Nana that used to say to me, you get one trip around the sun. It's not a dress rehearsal. Right. Try everything you can, even if you suck at it. Right. Sure. So I think being an entrepreneur, there's lots of things that we put in our toolkit. There's or our arsenal, whatever you want to call it. Right. Those transferable skills come out in our personal life, our social life, our business, yeah. our relationships. So when people say that to me, I always say, no, because I'm sure I could say to you, we all had those beginning jobs. Like I was a waitress. Look at all the transferable skills from being, being a yeah. serv- waitresses, waiters. That's the servant leader position. For sure. So leadership doesn't necessarily mean stature, title, and initials after your name. I want, if if there's any nugget taken from this podcast today, we're all leaders in our own right. Well, if we act like leaders, if we're, you know, tr- trying to make a contribution, right? So, so absolutely, mm-hmm. but we can be. So what about, what about failures? Any, any big failures that you look back and, and, you know, what did you take from them? from it? I wouldn't really say failure. I would Mm -hmm. say I had a really beautiful clinic when I closed my case management practice. Right. And I think if I wasn't so burnt out and stressed and fatigued, I probably would have kept that space. Mm -hmm. And it would have been nice to have people still come to see me there. But then I flip the coin and think, okay, but look at how much you've traveled. So if I had kept it and I was traveling all the time, why pay rent on something yeah, where you're, you're so, not there. you know, I toy with that, but yeah, you know, I, there's not anything that I can honestly say I feel was a big failure because I, I look at failure as a fail forward. I look at it as a stepping stone. And then when you get to the next small celebration or big win, you look back and see how what didn't work out contributed to what did work out. Because sometimes it's like what I said at the beginning, you get to the end of the road, you can either sit there and wallow that it's a dead end, or you can reinvent, do a U-turn and then go, oh, I'm supposed to go down this road. Yeah, for sure. 
there's there's uh yeah like we've like you said we've only got one one time so it's like everything everything's of value you know and you just you just look for the value why is this happening for me what what can i get out of this and uh and and if we're always looking for value there's value to be found absolutely so, so Deb, I have one last question, but in, but before I ask that, anything that you'd like to direct our leaders to or share with our leaders before I ask that final question? That's a loaded question. I could, I could, <laughs> I could say so many things. You know what? I just want to encourage all of your listeners and your young entrepreneurs. When you get a dream, it's not just in your mind, it's in your heart. And when your heart and your head are aligned, you're limitless. You're, you're going to take five step forward. You're going to take five back. You're going to fall. You're going to get back up. Just keep going. Because when your self-belief is limitless, so is your potential. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. And so true. So final question. Uh, when you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind, Emma? I think the leader of tomorrow is completely heart-centered. I'm seeing a big shift with the incoming. We're now at the age where the millennials are starting to get those senior C-suite positions. I coach some of them. Mm -hmm. They're exciting to me. They, mm -hmm. Their thought leadership, their bandwidth is far and wide. For them to look out in a C-suite position and look at seven to 10 years it's as bright and clear to them as the Northern Lights in Canada. And they get excited. Like I tease them because they remind me of Richard Gere, you know, the, right. the actor on A Pretty Woman, because yeah. they have all this thought leadership and they just want to get stuff going. And then they want to hand it off to somebody and go on to the next thing. And when they've got a coach going, okay, let's get it done. Right. And the other big thing is I never let them have the mindset that, they have to have it done perfectly because they know done is better than perfect. Right. And their team is there. They've hired a team of people to surround them that have, you know, the qualities and insight and skills in areas that they don't have. And they sit and listen and they just absorb and really just succumb to the brilliance of their teams. I have a few of them and they just ignite my day because they're, they come up with what people would say, well, that's crazy. You can't do that. And they're like, Deb, this is what I'm thinking. And this is how we should do it. And I, I just sit and bask in the glory of this thought leadership and their heart centered qualities are wrapped around the astuteness of their innovation. Right. And it just excites me. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, it's it's wonderful to um, for them to have somebody who listens to them in that way, you know, because you know that's that's really what life's about. So, well, Deb, uh, just awesome to connect with you this afternoon. Um, just uh, continued success in your heart centered leadership and and all the things that you're up to, and so great that we got a chance to connect uh, on this podcast. Oh, Chris, it was a pleasure. I, I'm up for an intellectually thought-provoking conversation anytime. Thanks well, for having awesome. me. that's awesome. You have a fantastic day. Thanks again. Bye-bye. You too. Hey, leaders. I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, 
but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.